What is up, football fans? Welcome back to another Fans First Football Show. The conference championship weekend is in the books, and I'm joined with a very jubilant Rob Stats Guerrera. Rob, what's going on? Oh, Jeff, how are you on this <laughs> fine, beautiful, gorgeous Monday morning? It's it is a beautiful morning. Uh, I'm glad to have another day of life. But I'll tell you what, you probably were not saying that at the end of the first half of the <laughs> 49ers Lions game. So I, I I'm so enamored by this game, and I really want to get your take on it as a 49ers fan. But you're also I will say this: I saw this on Twitter. You were on your timeline. People were saying how fans can't be objective. You're one of the most objective 49ers people I've ever met. You might be a fan of the team, and you want them to win, but damn it, you will say if they're doing something wrong and call them out on it, and I appreciate that. So let's talk about this game first. 49ers-Lions, the tale of two halves. Indeed, the tale of two halves. First half, the Lions are just taking it to the 49ers. Rob, what was your thoughts in the first half of this game? It felt like the reverse of the Niners-Packers-NFC Championship game in 2019. Remember, that was the game where the Niners ran the ball. They only threw eight yeah. passes in that game. That's what it felt. I was sitting there thinking, like, is this what the Packers fans felt like in 2019 because Detroit was just running all over the 49ers, just gashing them. Every time they ran the ball, they were getting not just like five yards, like seven, eight, nine yards per carry. In the first half, it was unbelievable how successful Detroit was. They averaged seven yards per carry, 148 rush yards on 21 attempts in the first half. And then, so when Jared Goff did have to pass, he was dropping back. It was zone coverage. His first read was open. Boom. They never made Goff uncomfortable when they did pass in the first half. And Detroit absolutely owned San Francisco. Absolutely. And like you said, they had their way with it. They, whatever they wanted to do, that they were able to do it. And then I thought maybe it was maybe, maybe more, con, not concerning, but surprising. The San Francisco 49ers offense wasn't really doing much either. And Detroit is not a defensive football team. We have talked about that all season, how the Lions offense can move it on anyone, but they can't really stop everyone either. What was your take on the on the 49ers offense coming out very sluggish? I think what it comes down to for me, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. It's not about the defense the 49ers play like their offensive success. To me, it's about the 49ers themselves. Like when they execute their blocking assignments and hold up in pass protection, they can move the ball on anybody. Anybody. Doesn't matter how good. But when they aren't doing that, when they don't give Purdy time to throw, when they can't run the ball as well, their offense can bog down against anyone. And like yeah. you said, this is not a good Lions pass defense. Since week 16, the Lions had given up more passing yards than anyone else in football. Anyone else and the 49ers could not move the ball consistently in the first half. So to me, it's not necessarily about like who they're playing or, you know, what the stats are or anything. It's just about the 49ers executing and offensively. They did not do that in the first half of this game. No. And, and in the second half, that's when things flipped and in a, in a lot of weird ways. Now yeah. we have talked about the aggressive nature of coaches on this show all season. And Rob, you are one of those guys that says, Go for it. Go for it. Don't leave things to chance. But when the, the Detroit Lions had an opportunity to go up by 17 points in the third quarter, I believe, and they chose to go for it and they failed, I thought that was an unbelievably idiotic decision because I do think situational football does matter in all these situations. I don't think you can paint with a broad brush, as Mike Tomlin would say, as to every single fourth down, 
you should go for it. Or every single fourth down, you should kick the field goal. In that situation, to go up by three scores in an NFC championship on the road, I, I cannot justify in my brain not taking the points when you saw Dan Campbell electing to go for it. I know you weren't shocked, but what did you think of the decision? I have no... Well, first of all, I would have kicked it because, like you said, to go up three scores is a massive, massive deal. To be to have the 49ers have to get three scores and stop the Lions from doing anything, even getting field goals, is massive. So I thought that was a misstep by by Dan Campbell. I think, you know, when you make your identity like we're the go for it team, this is the who we are team. I think he didn't he didn't stop and think it was just like, yep, we're going for it because that's what we do. But it's different when you have the big lead like that. And I, I know I always say field goals are failures, but it's different. You just want to keep adding and you already have the lead. Just keep adding points every time that it makes a big difference. That said, OK, you decide to go for it. All right. You know, that's that's fine. Why didn't they run it? Why would you pass the ball in that situation when they had been running all over the 49ers? I, that was the most curious decision to me because, you know, you run the ball. It comes down to your blocking. Even if you don't get the blocking necessarily, you're running back and break a tackle and fall forward and gain two yards. With the pass, you need to have a good snap. You need to drop back. You need good pass protection. You need your quarterback to see the open guy. You need him to throw it and you need the receiver to catch it. And what we saw in this game over and over and over again in the second half, Detroit couldn't hang on to the football. You have, you know, they, they say that an avalanche is started by just like a, a one tiny little disruption. It could be something falling off a tree. It could be a noise that causes the snow to shift. And next thing you know, it just starts to gather steam. That was the play that caused the avalanche for the Lions. Because think about what happens after that play. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob, you would know this better than I, but is that not the drive with the 50-yard completion to Brandon Ayuk, which should have been intercepted, yet gets knocked up into the air and then brought down by Ayuk, which looked like it was a touchdown at first, but it gets it's like four-yard line. It equates to a Christian McCaffrey touchdown. And so you have this, what could have been a three-score lead, now is a one-score lead after those plays. And then it was just this constant change. Everything changed from that moment on. Reynolds couldn't catch a cold. I mean, he <laughs> has hidden. <laughs> my gosh, how many times are you going to have an opportunity to convert on third down or, or a huge completion? They couldn't do anything. But Rob, after that play, the failed fourth down, you had to feel like everything shifted. The momentum just absolutely went all in the 49ers favor and they ran with it and they literally ran with it as they had a phenomenal second half. Got to give credit there too. Absolutely. And you know, Kyle Shanahan had the line of the, of the game. It made me think of it during the week. He was asked about, Hey, Dan Campbell's always super aggressive. How are you going to handle that? You know, what do you think? And what Kyle said, and I dinged him for it at the time and he was right. And I was wrong. He said, yes, when the other team goes for it on fourth down, it's an opportunity for them, but it's also an opportunity for us. And that is literally exactly what happened in this game. The Niners, the, the Lions just never had that knockout punch, right? They go up. They don't score a touchdown at the end of the first half, right? They have to settle for a field goal. You go into the locker room 28 to 7, that's a different story. They settled for the field goal at the end of the first half. Niners get the ball first. They go down the field. They get the field goal. Then the Lions turn it over on downs. And you're the 49ers. You're like, hey, this is our, the door is open. That's what I was saying. I was, my son was watching the game with me. I said, hey, one good drive and we got a ball game again. As yeah. bad as it was, that's the the 
crack in the door that the Lions left. And then you're right. They throw the deep ball to Purdy, whether it should have been intercepted, whatever, man. He missed it. The 49ers should have had an interception later in the game that that Jamison Williams ripped away from Ambry Thomas. So coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, credit to Brandon Ayuk for making the catch. And then credit to the Niners for punching it in there, not getting a field goal, right? It was third and goal. And brand, I'm sitting there like, geez, what if the, if I if they don't get it, the Niners got to go for it on fourth down. You absolutely have to. And it never got to that because Purdy hit Brandon Ayuk for six yards. And from then on, it was game on. Like I said before the game, the Lions have never been here before, man. And there is something that sets in where it's like imposter syndrome. It's just like, oh, my God, are we? Are we really going to do this? Are we, we're going to go to the Super Bowl, the Lions, and we're blowing out the 49ers. All we got to do is not screw it up. And I think it got in the Lions' heads. And they tried to stabilize things on the next drive with a run. And the running back goes to the wrong side of Jared Goff. There was some sort of confusion there. Deshaun Gibson rips it out. And just when the Lions tried to go back to the thing that they are best at, that they were killing the Niners with, the Niners beat him at it and got the ball back, and they were off and running. What a change of events. Like th- th- That is just the craziness of the NFL and in really the game of football, actually. We're, we're one decision. And it, this is always we're playing the hindsight game, right? If Dan Campbell converts on that fourth down and they end up scoring a touchdown and they put the basically put the game away, everyone's lauding him for what a great call and the aggressive nature of the call. We're, we're kind of Monday morning quarterbacking this thing in a lot of ways. Nonetheless, the decision was made. The repercussions happened. I want to get your take on a specific player, though. I've been pretty hard on this guy all year. But I got to say that I've been rough on Jared Goff. I've just said, I don't think he's the guy that can get you there. You know, or he can get you there, but can't pull you through. Almost like a Jimmy Garoppolo type. I was impressed. I I thought Jared Goff played well. They didn't ask him to do a lot, but he delivered on a lot of those throws. And he just did a lot of help. What was your thought on Jared Goff during this game? It wasn't his fault. And I I banged on Jared Goff, too. And when we were talking about the Lions all year, I was like, I don't believe in Jared Goff. And, you know, he has to bear some responsibility because you're the quarterback and ultimately you blew that big lead, the 17-point lead. But, I mean, he was making throws and the Lions, he made the throw on fourth down that should have been caught, that the Lions should have dropped. On another drive the Lions had when they, they go three and out, he hits Reynolds over the middle on third and nine. Reynolds is wide open and Reynolds drops it. And then at the end of the game, the the Lions need a drive, right? Because the Niners go up 10 and you're trying to hurry up and come back. And Goff goes down the field, 11 plays, 75 yards, and throws a touchdown pass on fourth down. Like, he did everything that he could do. You know, I, I, I there's a long list of people to blame for the Lions. Jared Goff is nowhere near the top of that list. It's not his fault that the Lions gave up 17 points in eight minutes. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. So I want to give Jared, I wanted to give Jared Goff some props because I have been pretty, pretty critical of him this season. And I thought he played a, a very respectable game. No, he maybe didn't make that play, but at the same time, you can only do so much as a quarterback. You put the ball in the place where your receiver and only your receiver can catch it. It hits him in the hands. You would hope that at some point they'd come down with him. He wasn't getting a lot of help. So now the, the 49ers win this game and they've punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. You said this on, I don't know if it was, I think I heard it on one of your podcasts, or maybe I saw a clip on Twitter, where you said that the the 49ers hadn't played a good game since Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on this team? They're going to have a week off. They need it. Debo Samuel to get healthy. They've got a lot of bumps and bruises, as as is every team that's headed to the Super Bowl. 
What's your take on the vibe of this 49ers team going into the big game as it pertains to will that second half correlate into, you know, maybe they're getting their groove back, so to speak. It is so funny how this has flipped, right? We saw the 49ers against Dallas and Philly, like I said, and, and I was like, whoa, this team is amazing and incredible and all that stuff. And I think we spent a lot of the season saying, well, when are they going to get back to that, right? Instead of saying like, hey, they just reached a peak here that's unbelievable. We just kept thinking like, oh, well, they'll just do that again. When are they going to do that again? Why haven't they done that again? And I think that maybe we just got to look at it like, hey, that was them at their peak and they're not there right now. But it also has flipped in the last two weeks to where it's like now, instead of being the team that gets up on you and blows you out and just snowballs you, now it's the team that doesn't die. Now it's the gritty team that can come back from behind, the team that is playoff tested and battle tested. It's weird that the script kind of flipped like that. You know, there are multiple ways to play your best ball. Sometimes it's getting up early and just suffocating a team. And sometimes it's never giving up and, and handling situations properly and coming back when you're behind. So maybe we just have to look at what this 49ers team is a little bit differently. And they're going to have a tough test in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the AFC championship game right now, the early game. This was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, it it definitely had its peaks and valleys and moments where fans, and I'm sure Ravens fans, were absolutely furious. I live in Maryland. I, I'm hearing the narratives already. We can't beat Patrick Mahomes and the refs. And I was like, okay. Uh, there, there's the big narrative. I'm, hey, I live here, man. I know this. <laughs> the big narrative is that they thought some of the BS calls on like the roughing the passer. Well, I'm sorry. I'll be the first to say that there's some questionable calls on that. Every single roughing the passer call was pretty legitimate in my opinion. And they were big turning points in the game, but this game just, I mean, there's so many talking points, Rob, when you watch this contest, what was your takeaway initially? Patrick Mahomes is the second coming of Tom Brady. Like I never thought in my life that we would see anybody even remotely begin to challenge what Tom Brady accomplished in his career. And Patrick Mahomes is doing it. He's doing it right now. He's gone to the at least the AFC Championship every single year that he's been a starter. He's in his fourth Super Bowl. Fourth. You know how many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have ever even gotten to four Super Bowls in their entire career? Patrick Mahomes has done it in, what, six years as a starting quarterback? That's insane. If he wins the Super Bowl, he'll have three. That's the rarest of air among quarterbacks. You're talking Brady. You're talking Montana. You're talking Bradshaw. You're talking um, uh, is there, uh, Troy Aikman is the other yeah. one. Like, yep. that's incredible. Like, what he's doing, he's a Hall of Famer right now. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback right now, and he is absolutely doing something incredible, and he just elevates in the biggest moments, in the biggest games. Everybody says this is the weakest offense the Chiefs have had in the Patrick Mahomes era, and he went in against the Ravens, a team that was historically good, that had nine wins of 14 points or more, I think. Um, I think it was nine. might have been more, but I think it was nine wins of at least two touchdowns against teams with winning records. Like, this is not, you know, the little sisters of the poor that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> beat on the road. And he did it, man. He's incredible. Yeah. You draw the comparison and the parallel to Tom Brady, which is, I think it's very appropriate at this stage to do that. When you think about Tom Brady's career, yes, he had the year with Randy Moss and he had these other receivers, whether you're talking about the Julian Edelman's or you're talking about the, um, my gosh, just draw, the, the other short Deion little branch. Oh, Deion Wes Branch, Wes Welker. There you go. He never had that star studded cast. So 
everyone thought, okay, Tyreek Hill leaves, you know, even a Juju Smith Schuster who did win a Super Bowl with the chiefs, he leaves and all these other weapons outside of Travis Kelsey. It kind of sounds a lot like Tom Brady when you're talking about this weird cast of characters and oh yeah, he still has Rob Gronkowski. Who's one of the best tight ends ever. I was unbelievably impressed with Travis Kelsey in this game, because if I was a person that tried to say, well, Gronk was a way better blocker. I saw more from Travis Kelsey as a two-way tight end in this game than I have in a really long time. He was willing to do the dirty work. He was chippy. This started with, did you see the Justin Tucker stuff before the game? This started with that and them throwing the helmet and the football saying, get out of our stuff. Our quarterback's trying to warm up. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes might go down as one of the greatest combos in uh, the modern era. And I think, did I see that Travis Kelsey just beat uh, just past Jerry Rice in playoff receptions. Like, it's incredible, man, what they're doing. Kelsey was on a mission. I was just going to mention that. From pregame, Mahomes is trying to warm up. Justin Tucker's there. Kelsey tells him to leave. Tucker doesn't move. Kelsey just throws Tucker's equipment. Like, he got rid of the footballs. He got rid of the helmet. He was on a mission. And I give so much credit to the Chiefs, to Andy Reid, to Patrick Mahomes, to Travis Kelsey, because... The number one job for everybody when they play the Chiefs, especially this year with no Tyreek Hill, is stop Travis Kelsey. Stop 87. That's defensive coordinators spend the entire week game prepping and, and crafting a scheme to slow down Travis Kelsey. And he goes 11 catches on 11 targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. And you mentioned it. He was chippy. He was drawing penalties. He was blocking. He messed with the Ravens' head from jump, and they were not composed. They got frustrated. Lamar Jackson's chucking his helmet on the sidelines, and Travis Kelsey, it was a master class from Mr. Taylor Swift. <laughs> maybe maybe he, if they get married, he'll just take her line. But anyways, Should. it's... <laughs> Let's talk about the Ravens, all right? So they lose the game 17 to 10. And I said this on Twitter after the game. I didn't tweet at all during this game because I was like, I'm just going to wait. <laughs> the Steelers faithful. Steelers fans have seen this, this iteration of the Ravens so many times because this is what happens when the Ravens typically play the Steelers. It's the reason why Lamar Jackson has only beaten them one time in his career. And that was in 2019 when Ben Roethlisberger was done for the year with an elbow injury. So... Lamar Jackson, when things get tight, this is when he starts to kind of get a little flustered. The pressure was put on him. He was sacked four times in this game, mm -hmm. and he was hit a lot, and they were after him. He was running for his life. He led, the, he led him in rushing with 54 total yards. It was that interception that you saw at the end oh. zone. That you, that's the throw that Steeler fans are like, yep, there it is. There it is. We see this all the time. And now it's just happening in the AFC championship game. The narrative now is choke artist. I'm not sure I'm going to go that far because Zay flowers fumble into the end zone oh. was an absolutely <laughs> backbreaking play. I mean, backbreaking play. And that had nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. So if you want to point fingers, there is plenty to go around in this game. So let's talk about Lamar and the Ravens offense quick, Rob, what were your thoughts there? So, okay, there's a lot to break down because I agree with you. Lamar did not play his best. That interception, it was a horrible decision. It's triple oh. coverage. I, I don't know what Lamar saw. I know at one point likely threw his hand up like, hey, I'm open. It, guys do that all the time. It doesn't mean you have to throw it. I, I don't know why he felt compelled to force that in there. But I will say also, 
it was pass interference in the end zone. It was absolutely pass interference. Likely got got shoved. He he did. So it can be a bad decision and also should have been a penalty. They were they were for the most part letting him play in the game. But I, the criticism I have of Lamar is, dude, run. Run the ball. It's so funny. Like, he took so much criticism of he can't play from the pocket, blah, blah, blah. The best thing Lamar Jackson does is run the ball, and that's not to diminish his passing at all. He's a great passer. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that is the equalizer for him. And there looked so many times where he would get on the move and he would stay horizontal. He wouldn't get vertical. And it's like, dude, even if you only gain three, four, five yards, it's a positive gain. You stay ahead of the chains. You keep things going. And instead, it looked like he was determined to throw the ball. And I think it hurt him in this game. So I'm watching this game. My mother-in-law comes over for dinner. We're watching the game. Everyone's down there together. And she even goes, oh, my gosh, they are hitting hard. I, this definitely had a Steelers Ravens type vibe to it. You could tell there was something more to this than, and it probably did stem from that pregame stuff. And there was a lot of chatter and a lot. You brought it up. I'm going to agree hundred percent with you. The, the chiefs been there, done that the Ravens, man, you fell for it. <laughs> they baited you into all of this stuff. You mm-hmm. fell for it. Hook, line and sinker on Monday morning. When you look in the mirror, you're going to say, wow, did we really, really screw the pooch on this one. Like what this is, this might be the best Ravens team that I've seen in probably since that 2019 team that was the number one seed as well. And for them to not even get to the dance has to be viewed as a colossal failure. I'm sorry. There's going to be people that paint this picture that, Hey, it was a good season. We'll be back next year. Everyone says that it's not that easy. You had an opportunity, a golden opportunity, no Joe Burrow, you get a, a pretty weak Kansas City Chiefs team in your stadium. 17-10, you lose. You're home. Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Man, tough tough pill to swallow. This may be the best team Lamar Jackson ever plays on. Like, it's, yeah. you have to take advantage of these opportunities when they come up. This was a historically good Baltimore Ravens team. And I'll, I'll say this. I tried not to think ahead. I tried not to, but I'm going to be real because the Niners had the late game. So, obviously, right. I was watching. When this game was going on, I was rooting for the Chiefs because I was like, I would rather play the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I know Mahomes is really good. The Ravens are a better team than the Chiefs this year. They absolutely were. They didn't get it done. The Ravens, to me, had no weaknesses. And I, like they could run the ball. Their defense was incredible. They could play tight man coverage, everything. And they were aggressive on fourth down, all of it. You know, I know Mahomes is really good. But this Chiefs offense, I mean, they only scored 17 points in the game. This Chiefs offense has has kind of struggled a little bit throughout the year. There's clear deficiencies at times there. The receivers can't catch the ball. I was rooting for the Chiefs in this one. I, I'm stunned that this happened, and it's it's going to live with you. Rex Ryan said it on ESPN. You know what you get when you lose a conference title game? Not a damn thing. You get nothing. And the loss <laughs> stays with you forever and this is just gonna burn them up john harbaugh lamar jackson all of them and you said it you're right we saw the two been there done that experienced teams when when adversity hit in the conference championship they both handled it way better than the teams that that lost i'll say this so kyle hamilton right every he had a great game oh he showed his versatility blitzing and went well. I did take offense to Jim Nance comparing him to Troy Polamalu. Let's pump the brakes there, Jim. All right, let's, <laughs> we're talking about a generational talent. But still, how can you say that a safety 
who, let's be honest, you would have to say he's going to be the one that's going to try to blanket Travis Kelsey. I just looked at the stat line. Travis Kelsey was targeted 11 times. 11 catches. I don't know what What are they doing? It's like you said, it's their number one target. How do you let this guy get 11 catches on 11 targets? You said that there's not many weaknesses. The Ravens do have weaknesses, and the Chiefs exploited every damn one of them, from their mental weakness to their inability to just try and do anything against their number one target. You might have been rooting for the Chiefs, but I'll tell you what, that's going to be a tough, tough test in two weeks. Well, I mean, I had to root for somebody. They're both (laughs) incredibly difficult. Um, I get it. I get it. But. Yeah, I, that's why I give credit to Kelsey. You're right. I mean, I don't know if Hamilton was in coverage on on all of those, you know, plays to Travis Kelsey, but it goes. It's a it's a knock on the whole defense. Like yeah. you can't when your head hits the pillow. If you're the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, if you're was it Mike McDonald? I think his name is. Like, yeah. if we lose this game, it's got to be Pacheco or MVS or Mahomes scrambling. The one guy it can't be is Kelsey. When your head hits the pillow, that's what you got to be thinking. And he, I mean, he set the tone immediately from jump in this game he had the ravens wrapped around his little finger yeah so next week when we preview this game you're not going to be on the show because you're going to the super bowl you're going to be there and it's it's yeah i'm excited for you so i want to get your take on the super bowl what's your early hey it's early really early and we are <laughs> going to get 49ers chiefs down our throats for 2 weeks and you're there for it but What's your early thoughts on the Super Bowl? This is how it generally goes. But I've covered a lot of Super Bowls. One team out of the gate is going to get all the love early. The, and that's generally how it goes early in the week leading up to the game. And then halfway through, it's going to flip. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to start saying it's the other team. That's generally how it goes. Yes. I've just gotten to the point where I'm throwing it all out. Like, I don't care. What the chief, what the numbers say about the Chiefs offense all year and the Chiefs defense all year, and Niners should be able to do this, and the Chiefs should be able to move the ball and and all that stuff. Because uh, what I just saw tied for the biggest comeback in the NFC championship game in history, like all that matters is what happens on the field for three hours. Like I don't it it doesn't matter. Like I'm I'm beyond it. It's weird. And I almost feel more like the Niners have a better chance this year against Mahomes than they did in 2019. You know, in 2019. The Niners were super young. Debo was a rookie that year. Nick Bosa was a rookie that year. Fred Warner was in year two. George Kittle was in year three. They were kind of like ahead of schedule, the 49ers that year. Now they're seasoned, they're battle-tested, and they have a quarterback who, I mean, let's face it, what we saw with Brock Purdy yesterday was the difference. That's what we didn't see with Jimmy Garoppolo, right? In the Super Bowl, Jimmy couldn't move around. He had to try and throw it to get those first downs in the fourth quarter. And the balls got batted down because the Chiefs knew he was going to throw it to the middle of the field. Brock Purdy doesn't have to force that. He could use his legs to make a play. I know Mahomes is really good. I get all that stuff. But I give. I think it's 50-50, honestly. Like, I give the 49ers a puncher's chance, even though it is against the great Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I was super impressed with Brock Purdy's escapability and his mobility because I, I haven't watched a lot of 49ers games, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when I'm watching, I'm like, dude, dude's making plays with his legs, man. He's, he's burning you when you drop everyone into coverage and you think you got everything blanketed. Fine, I'll take seven yards. Sure, what, a, what the hell? Hey, early line. Now, this is really early. Opening line is that the 49ers are giving a point. 
So my my next question for you, Rob, is uh, this is according to DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way, the 49ers are giving a point with an, a total of 47 and a half. So that's a that's a pretty hefty total. Um, yeah. You think this line will shift heavy one way or the other? I don't think it, it will unless did. there's. Oh, really? The, the Niners opened to two and a half point favorites and it's already moved. People are betting on the Chiefs and I get it. I mean, at this point, like it's so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, it's I, I I completely get it. If you're like, hey, Mahomes is just a wizard. And then you're like, wait, and I'm getting points in the game. Like, I totally understand people betting that uh, I would probably put my money on the Chiefs, too, if I'm getting the points, to be honest with you. Like, I it, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think that they're going to hit that over, though. I think it's going to be much the odds of it. I think much more likely to be a 17 10 type of game than it is to be a 34 31 game like we saw in the NFC championship. Yeah, I agree because you think about the, the the Chiefs against the Ravens, and the Ravens have a great defense. But there were times where like, okay, this thing this thing could be really crazy because both teams scored real quick of seven nothing, fourteen seven, ends up being seventeen ten once things settle down. That's always the way it seems to work in the Super Bowl. I could see this maybe even moving to a pick'em game or just a simple half point. Like I could see it that way. And that's what I want. That's what I want. I don't want to see a seven-point favorite in the in the Super Bowl. I want it to be a close contest. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, Rob, I hope you have a lot of fun trying to finagle your way around the Super yeah. Bowl week and all that fun stuff. Uh, what are your final thoughts before we call it a show? I think that this is a legacy game for everybody. Obviously, the Super Bowl is, but especially for this 49ers. If you go back and look at NFL history, Teams that have made the NFC Championship game four times in five years, that kind of a deal, that all of them won not just one, but multiple Super Bowl titles. The Patriots have multiple Super Bowl, Super Bowl titles. The Chiefs have multiple Super Bowl titles. The Cowboys in the 90s, multiple Super Bowl titles. The Niners are the only ones in this group that haven't done it. And the Eagles, I guess. Andy Reid's Eagles, now that I think about it. But like, the, you're either going to be the team that finally gets over the hump or you're going to be an all-time disappointment. That There's no in-between. I said before the AFC Championship, or the NFC Championship game, I said, as fans, we are either headed toward absolute agony or absolute ecstasy. There is no in-between, and it's an unstoppable journey that we are on. And you're right back on it now, headed towards the Super Bowl. And for, the, for, for those players, how many more times do you think you're going to do this? Like, it, it doesn't come around very often. So we're either going to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs crowned as a dynasty and Mahomes is, you know, continuing to to put his signature on this Hall of Fame career and Andy Reid's going to have three Super Bowls and he's chasing down Belichick and or it's going to be Kyle Shanahan finally gets over the hump. The Niners finally did it. And there's no revenge. I'm not going to say that there's no revenge for 2019 because you, yeah. you don't get a ring <laughs> like the Chiefs still keep that ring. But that's what it is. It's the legacy on the line. All right. I love it, Rob. Tell everyone where they can follow your 49ers coverage because, like I said, Boots will be on the ground. You'll want to be tuned in to get his coverage because it's better and it's different than everyone else out there. So go ahead, Rob. Yes, thank you. Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network. Just search Gold Standard 49ers on YouTube. The channel pops right up. Like and subscribe. We had 20,000 people watch the Instant Reaction Show last night. It was absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm on all the socials at Stats on Fire if you want to follow us. You can download the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts as well. We will have boots on the ground in Vegas. I'm going to be just a pain in the butt for everybody down there trying to get as many interviews as possible. Uh, but I promise you, you give us a chance and we will continue to earn your time. Yeah, if you want to know about the Steelers offensive coordinator search, you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, steel curtain. <laughs> that's important. Hey, hey, no, what's important is that they're going to be looking after some 49ers guys. There's some rumors of Kubiak and Greasy potentially being on the candidate list. So Stop they it. might be leave but, us alone. No, we got to get that. So <laughs> Steel Curtain Network, wherever you get your YouTube, we're close to 10,000 subscribers to help us out. Give us a, a subscribe there. Find us wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Rob, enjoy the Super Bowl, man. We will talk afterwards. Take it easy. Thank you, Jeff. Can't wait.